Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Today's message was given by Pastor Nick Davies on October 20th, 2021 during our Wednesday evening service. We have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 p.m. on Sundays, and our Awana program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. Week, we are going to be jumping back into our study of the name, different names of God. Uh, we're jumping back into kind of like the sub-study of uh, the compound names for God, starting with L. E-L. If you missed a few weeks ago, we discussed the meaning of El-Rohi, which is E-L-R-O-I. El meaning God and Rohi meaning seeing or appearance and or clearly visible. We decided that El-Rohi means the God who clearly sees me, not just physically seeing me, although he does do that, but also and more deeply really seeing us to the depths of who we are. This name is used only once in Scripture, but the character displayed to us through this name is seen quite clearly throughout Scripture. It pops up in the recounting of Hagar fleeing from Sarah, Abraham's wife. We learn from this name of God and how we see this character of him, what we learn from this name of God, And how we see this character of him play out throughout the rest of Scripture was this. There was really four main points, and just to to help us be reminded of where we're at and what we're looking at and what we're learning about the God we serve from this Bible is this. Number one, God sees you in your affliction. We read Psalm 34, 17 through 19, which says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. It's Psalm Psalm 34, 17 through 19. God sees us in our affliction. We can hang on to the hope that we are not left alone in our affliction. He is there with us. Number two, God sees our hearts. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Now, if he sees your heart, that means a couple things. Number one, which is our third point, God will see our sin. He sees us in our sin. Hebrews 4, 13 told us that neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. When he looks at you, he does see your sin. But if you are a child of God, our heart has been covered by Jesus' blood. And so that led us to our fourth point, that God sees Jesus' blood. 
1 Corinthians 6.11 taught us that and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. These are beautiful truths about the God who sees me. We are not abandoned. God is not distant. He sees us. He knows us. And despite knowing us to the depths of our sin, to the depths of the the dark corners of our heart, He loved us enough to send Jesus so that when He looks upon us who are children of Him, He might see His own Son. This week, we're going to be getting into the name for God, El Elyon, E-L-E-L-Y-O-N. Again, we're going to see some incredible insight into His character. Not only does God see us, but He lets us see Him. And we have seen Him through His Son, His Word, and His people. As a reminder, uh, as we continue through this, we're going to look to define a name, see how and where it is used in Scripture, and to see it, then see how it connects to us today, which will include some core truths from Scripture that connect back to the idea and character we see displayed in this name and an application for us. We're going to define it, we're going to see how it's used, and we're going to see how it's applied in our lives. And then we'll wrap up each week with one core truth to take away from this particular name. The name we're looking at tonight, we're going to see it in Isaiah 14, 13 through 14, as well as Genesis 14. So turn with me to Isaiah 14 as we work to define this. Let's see where it's written here in starting in verse 13. Isaiah 14, 13 and 14. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the most high. Turn over with me now to uh, Genesis 14. We're just taking a brief look at these passages just to see uh, really where this name was used in Scripture. Um, And then we're going to define... what it is. So that passage we see, it's, it's talking about the Most High God. That is where we see El Elyon in the language behind the English there. In Genesis 14, 18 through 20, we see this again, more so for the first time. Genesis 14, starting in 18, it says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. We see it there. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God. There it is again, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, again, El Elyon, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. We see here in these two different passages this name ascribed to our God. And it's translated as the Most High God, or the Most High, or the Most High One. So, should be understood that this name, El Elyon, is used to describe the Most High God. You can't get higher than the Most High, right? We, we, when we say Most High, this means everything else is below Him. When you're at the top, everybody else is below you, right? Uh, Nicole and I watched this really cute kids show, Bluey. It's about a couple dogs or a dog family. Um, it's, it's really funny. Uh, we always say that it's, an show, it's a show for parents, but kids don't mind watching it because it's a cartoon, it's on Disney, 
Um, and it's just this kind of cheesy, fun show. Anyways, I say that because in one of the episodes, Bluey's cousin, Muffin, asks Bluey's uncle, Stripe, am I special? And of course, Muffin's dad tells her, Muffin, you're the most special kid in the world. That's what we would say to any of our kids, right? You're the most special kid in the whole world. From a three-year-old's perspective, that's pretty awesome to hear, man, I'm the most special kid in the whole world. So she says, interesting, while she's sitting in the back seat. I can hear Judah doing this now. As the episode progresses, she uses this, you're the most special kid in the whole world to allow her to do anything she wants. Eventually, her dad, Stripe, realizes what he's done, and he must break it to Muffin that she's really not the most special kid in the world, just the most special kid in the world to him. So he tells her, Muffin, you're not the most special kid in the world. She shrugs it off, goes back to normal. Now, this is a cute little episode of a kid's show, um, but sadly, our sin nature likes to tell this about ourselves, that we're the most special kid in the whole world. Even we as God's children sometimes like to think that we're more special than any of the other kids. Whether we've been told this from a child or we just really believe about ourselves to be number one, like Stripe tells Muffin, the reality is you aren't the most special in the whole world. You might be special to him, and certainly you are special enough for him to die for, but we are not the highest of highs. We are not El Elyon. We are not the most high. For one, we are just mere man. We are below him in authority, in glory, and in all ways he is higher than us. When you call him El Elyon, you are lifting him up to the highest position that there is, the highest position available. And simultaneously, if you truly mean it when you call him El Elyon or the Most High God, you are recognizing that you are not God. There's a lot of power in this name because it lifts him up and it puts us into our rightful place. If only we called El Elyon the Most High with our hearts and actions as much as we do maybe with our lips. We need more and more to have the conviction that we are not numero uno, that he is above all. As we see here from these, these names used in Scripture, we need to remember that the reason we're, we're getting into these particular passages where we see these names pop up is so that we can get to know him better. See, what this, what this person called him and what he revealed himself to us as so that we might get a little bit of insight into his character. In these couple passages, he's, relate, he's revealed himself to us in this way as the most high God. So what did God intend to communicate to us through revealing himself to us in the saints of old as the most high God? Well, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We have a handful of things that we can learn about this name. A handful of things that we can learn about ourselves, learn about him, and apply to our lives so that we might be better servants of him by recognizing him as the most high God. As we've already said, being most high means that we aren't as high as him. His ways are higher than ours. Speaking of holiness 
indeed. Isaiah 55, 8-9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What is our ways? What are our ways like compared to his? Our ways, we see it in Romans 3.23, probably a passage that you've memorized at some point in your life, where it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We don't reach the highest highs where he is seated. We have fallen short. Isaiah 64.6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and our righteousness, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Who are we compared to him? Certainly we are not the highest of highs. Who are we to place ourselves above him when we see him in this kind of light as the most high, as the one whose ways are higher than our ways? So number one, certainly his ways are higher than ours. When we call him El Elyon, the most high God, we are recognizing, number two, that he is in a complete sense inconceivable. What do I mean by this? Um, is that we can't know him entirely in the sense of like completely wrapping our minds around him in some way and knowing everything that he knows. Psalm 139.17 says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! We can know about God what he has allowed us to know, and this book right here, his word, has given us quite a bit that we can learn about him. And even the most astute and acclaimed scholars still learn constantly from this book that is far more than just a book. He has provided other ways to know him intimately, just as his word as an example, his people, his son. Yet due to the reality that no two things can be omnipotent, this leaves us with a limited capacity. Have you ever heard somebody ask the question, can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? Has anybody ever heard that question? No? TJ. Okay, so a couple of you, yeah. Yeah, all right. I love this question because you can't answer yes and you also can't answer no. Why? Because for God to make something greater than himself, he would have to exert and exercise more power than he actually has which is impossible. But to say that he cannot do something seems contrary to the God who says we can do all things through him, right? The reality of this question is, is it's, it's faulty logic. It's outside the bounds of possibility. It's breaking definitions of what it means to be all-powerful or all-knowing. To be able to exert all power and create something that has more power than all power, that just can't happen. For you and I, this does have implications, and this is why I bring it up. God didn't make us equal to him or greater than himself. He couldn't and he didn't. So we shouldn't act like we are higher than him. He is as high as it gets. He has all power there is to be had. Even we, his creation, are upheld by him. Look over at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. 
who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. We are upheld even by him. We who are limited in capacity cannot even begin to wrap our minds around the infinite greatness of our God. Try for a moment with me, entertain me, to wrap your mind around this. He knows your thoughts, your thoughts. Everybody in this room, he knows what's going on. Eight billion people in the world, he knows what's going on. He knows all people's thoughts ever. Simultaneously, he makes the sun to rise and to fall. Listen to this quote. Um, it says, the sun is always rising somewhere in the world. God guides the sun 24 hours every day and paints sunrises at every moment, century after century, without one century of respite, and never grows weary or less thrilled with the work of his hands. He is upholding and sustaining it all. He upholds the atoms that make up your body. He upholds the atoms that make our world. If you are and I'm not asking anybody to raise your hands, about 150 pounds, that is 65 octillion atoms, approximately. Now, this is from Washington Post, and you never know with them what you're going to get. But this is the estimate that I, I saw online when I looked up how many atoms were in the human body. If you're about 150 pounds, it's like 65 octillion atoms. For me, that's a bit more. Um, I'm not going to do the math for you. Just know it has a God has a lot of upholding to do with me. Um, and it makes me tired just thinking about 65 octillion atoms. Honestly, though, when you, when you hit 65 octillion, what, what's 100 octillion really matter? Uh, it doesn't, doesn't seem all that bad. But that doesn't even include the atoms of the earth. And yet he knows where every single one of them are. He ordains their purposes and upholds them by his all-powerful, all mightiness. We can't even begin to understand our own thoughts or control them half the time. Have you ever found yourself thinking of something that you shouldn't and then thought, why the heck was I thinking that? I shouldn't have been dwelling on that. God doesn't have those thoughts. He's always in control. Things don't creep up in his mind unintentionally. How can we, little finite creatures, begin to even think we can rise up to this level of holiness and glory that he is at. Yet many times we like to put ourselves at the center of the universe. A little thought and digging into his words, seeing him as El Elyon, the most high God, the highest one, smashes to smithereens the idea of even salvation by works. Do you really think that you can live up to the level of the Most High? Do you think you could ever earn your way up to a level of holiness that he is at? It's almost too overbearing to even think about. But he sent his son so that we might. Because when he sees us as the God who sees, if you are a child of him, you've had the blood applied to your heart. And so now he sees the perfect holiness of his own son over us. Even we as his image bearers are not owed any glory because we were made in his image not to bring glory to ourselves but to bring the glory that is due to him to reflect his image. That's why we're created. 
The whole reason we were created was to glorify him. Romans 11.36, For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Isaiah 43.7, Everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. And in Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We are made to be image bearers, glory getters, if you will, for him, not for ourselves. We can never raise ourselves up to the height that he is. He is, in a complete sense, inconceivable. His ways are so much higher than our ways, and he didn't create us to be equal with him. He created us so that we might bring him glory, and that glory is certainly due to him. Number three, when we recognize God as El Elyon, the most high God, we are recognizing that he is preeminent. Now, we've already hit on this, but as a reminder, Colossians 1, 18 specifically talks about this. Philippians, Colossians. Colossians 1.18 says this, And he is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Like a painter and her art, he has authority over his creation. He has the power, not on, he, he has not only the authority, but he also has the power to exercise that authority. What good is the authority without the power to be able to use it? And with that power, as we have already seen, it is not just some power, it is all power. Therefore, no one's going to be able to take away out of his hand the authority that he has over this earth. That's why our sin will always stand as sin. Number four, when we recognize God is El Elyon, we recognize and cry out to him knowing that he is stronger than our enemy. When we call him the most high God, we are recognizing that no one else has power over him. That means any situation we find ourselves in, even the temptation we find ourselves in, through him we can overcome it. As 1 John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is no doubt that he is greater because he is greater than all. So certainly when we stand face to face with our enemy, we have no need to fear. When we stand face to face with man that might try to do something to us, we can say, what can man do to me? For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Number five, four, he is stronger than our enemy. When we recognize him as the most high God, we can hold on to the promise knowing that he is greater, he is higher, he is more powerful than our greatest enemy that we could ever face. This leads us to number five. No one can snatch us out of his hand. When we recognize God as El Elyon, the most high God, we can be reminded and secure knowing that no one is going to be able to pry his hand open and snatch us out. John 10, 28 through 29. It says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. 
neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. He is greater than everyone. Anyone who might try to stand against him will fade like the grass. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. No one. Because he is greater than all. Lastly, number six. He lives in us. The almighty, all-powerful, most high God has said in his word that he dwells within us. We are saved. And he enters into us. He lives in us. Therefore, because the power of El Elyon resides within us, we know that we can do all things in his will through him. Philippians 4.13. That's where this Philippians 4.13 comes. This isn't about winning a football game. You know, I've seen it on countless people's arms. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to make this basket. That's not, what it's, that's not what it's talking about. Paul's talking about suffering in this passage. But we can stand in the face of any of those adversities because the power of the Most High dwells within us. We can't do it on our own power. We would never be able to stand in those things in our own power. I've watched myself crumble in the face of temptation over and over again when I stand in my own power. But when I stand in the power of the one who is within me, the one who is within me is the most high. I know I can do all things through him. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. Paul is speaking here. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We can say in the face of our adversity, trial, temptation, the worst of our worst enemies that we could ever face here on this earth, Christ is sufficient. And he is sufficient because he is all-powerful. He is enough. He is far more than enough. That leads us to our core truth for for the night, as well as a prodding question we must ask ourselves. The core truth is this, the God we serve, the God of this Bible, is the most high God. No other matches him. None. I don't, you don't, your neighbor doesn't, your worst enemy doesn't. The God we serve, the God of this Bible, is the most high God. Nobody else matches him. Here's the question. Do you trust the Most High God, El Elyon, enough to lay your life in his hands? That's the question we have to ask ourselves every day when we wake up. This isn't just a question for the moment of salvation, although it is that, but also it's a question you must ask yourself every day and every situation, whether you're faced with temptation or trial or even goodness. Are you laying your life in his hands? Do you trust that the good gifts are really from him? Do you trust him to provide even in the moments where you don't think there's any possible way? Do you trust that his grace is sufficient for you? Do you trust that this most high God is also a good God? He is not just some distant, angry God. He's a good 
God, a loving God? And do you trust that what he has said to us in his word is also good? That we can lean on him knowing that his all-powerfulness has been used in such a way that he might give us life and life to the fullest to bring him glory. Will you call him El Elyon, the Most High God, not only with your lips, but also with your life? Will you display that there is no other higher one in your life than him to the people around you? And it's easy to make kids, your spouse, your most favorite things in this world, numero uno. But they will never fulfill you like the one who has all power. They will never fulfill you like the most high God. It can't get better than that. He's the pinnacle. He has created us so that we might enjoy him. And truly, when we do lay ourselves into his presence, we will have joy unlike anything else this world can provide. Do you trust the Most High God enough to lay your life in His hands every single day? Let's close in a word of prayer. And we'll get into our prayer time for tonight. Lord God, we what a privilege it is to even be able to speak to you in this moment. Lord, we are all in broken, sinful creation who deserve nothing more than the penalty that we were due, death. Yet instead, you sent your Son, Jesus, because you loved us so much that you were willing to send him to die in our place so that we might have life. To wrap our minds around that is even difficult. Lord, you are a, a good and gracious God, even in moments where we don't know what's going on. Lord, we can lay in your hands, the hands of the almighty, most high, all-powerful God, knowing that those hands are loving hands and good hands that will protect us and provide for us in, in incredible ways. Lord, may we, may we call you El Elyon, not only with our lips, but with our hearts and our lives. May the people that see us on a daily basis, whether that's our families, our spouses, our children, our neighbors, our coworkers, may they see when they look at us a people that reveres you and loves you and knows you not just as a all-powerful God, but also as a father because you love us. Lord, as we head into this prayer time tonight, may everything be said and done for your glory. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to lift our petitions before you, knowing that, Lord, you are able to do all things. Lord, we ask that you will. We love you, we praise you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, that's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and you would like to know how, please give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.